I read the words of the Bible, but what do they mean? Like today's gospel. Jesus would never have said such things. That was Matthew's Hebrew mindset seeping into his gospel. A lot more Leviticus than Jesus. So, how do we know what we're reading? What is authentically Jesus? What's not? Of course, I've asked such questions myself. Heard doubts and questions from all ages, young and old. Now, as some of you know, archaeology was my breakthrough into the reality of the Bible after it didn't make much sense to me. And I continue to read magazines like Biblical Archaeology Review. Three items are needed for an archaeological dig. Shovel, trowel, and brush. It's also true reading the Bible. Unfortunately, too many read the Bible literally using a bulldozer, <laughs> digging at surface level, damaging everything below it. Others read it with a shovel, dig with just enough knowledge to be dangerous. Some use a trowel to dig a bit deeper, learning Hebrew and Greek, still depending on commentaries. That's kind of where I am. A very few come to dig with a brush, hoping important original items haven't been overlooked or destroyed by earlier diggings. So, page 65 of this month's World Archaeology magazine caught my eye. Instant recognition with ways the Bible can be read. Excavation as interpretation. The author, Neil Faulkner, wrote, the more carefully you dig, the more you see. And if the interpretation is wrong, we may miss stuff without knowing it. Likewise, looking at scripture, we bring our worldview assumptions into the interpretation. Example, as a 21st century person, I believe certain things didn't happen, like the sun standing still. We know a lot about the universe, DNA, the way life works, not known 2,000, 3,000 years ago, but they knew a lot of things too. The article said, in the real world of practical archaeology, we make sense of our sights as we dig them. Same with the Bible. The site, Faulkner wrote, has to be understood in its landscape context. Why is the settlement on this side of the valley and not the other? Where were they getting water, timber, and stone from? The landscape will suggest answers which will then drive fresh research where material, method, and meaning constantly interact. Exactly the same when we read the Bible in its historical, cultural context. So what? January 28. Lunch with a friend who arrived late. No time to stop for groceries on the way home. Later, heading to the store, I opened the garage door hopped into the car, pressed the start button, silence. Oh no, try it again, nothing. A whirlwind of anticipation, wasted time, phoning AAA. 
Even the door lock system was dead. Then I felt my pocket. No keys. The Hyundai only starts with the key in my pocket. I raced into the house, retrieved my keys. The engine started right up. Immediately I knew, there's a sermon here. <laughs> that is, for us, the Bible is crucial. Its core, like an embedded chip, contains the power that reveals, defines, and engages the energy of the Spirit. So we have to carry that key with us, not leave it on the shelf at home, a non-starter, so to speak. The Bible is the contact, connection, between us and the prophets, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's why we read portions of it at every service, nourishing the soul, revealing ancient perspective and meaning beyond our brief time on earth, helping us comprehend the narrative of our lives at their tragic, insightful depths. In that context, consider today's lesson. Looking down from the top of Mount Nebo in Jordan, you can barely make out the green strip alongside the Jordan River. By the time the small band of Habiru arrived there, Moses was old and tired. He wouldn't be able to go down the mountain with them. Joshua would lead them into Canaan, ancient Palestine. Then the book of Deuteronomy, as you heard this morning, was written with military rules, sexual laws, issues of justice like honest weights and measures, customs and cultic liturgies. At its core, a renewal of vows to their covenant, the Ten Commandments. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Now, choosing life sometimes is more than just living or breathing. As Jesus and others have discovered, choosing life sometimes leads to death, as people stand for what is right. Written for then, the Bible has ramifications for us now. Here goes. Fasten your safety belts. At a time when religion is being abused for political purposes, Religious freedom, a tool of bigotry. It feels like we're living in 1930s Germany, when the church was compromised and coordinated by the Nazi party, forcing people to ask, what is the church? What does it mean to be a Christian? Against the Nazi-controlled German Lutheran Federal Church, Pastor Martin Neumuller gathered clergy and congregations into confessing synods, independent from the state. It established basic principles of the church and Christian faith over against German Christians who saw themselves as stormtroopers for Jesus Christ. The Nazi party saw the confessing church as a resistance organization, did everything to suppress it. Many died. Choosing life led to the death of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor, theologian, and very good writer. In 1930-31, he was a visiting fellow at Union Theological Seminary in New York City, where he could have stayed, 
but felt he was needed at home. Two days after Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, 27-year-old Bonhoeffer spoke to a national audience on German radio expressing concern that Hitler was mocking God. The first public criticism of the new leader. The broadcast was immediately stopped and he was forbidden by the Nazis to publish or preach. Niemöller, Bonhoeffer, and the Confessing Church simply went underground. Arrested in 1943 for smuggling Jews into Switzerland and accused of being part of the plot to kill Hitler, he was hanged at the Flossenburg concentration camp for pure meanness in the very last days when the war was basically over. Now, Bonhoeffer was a quiet, gentle man, his death a witness to faith expressed in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Personal sacrifice is essential to faith, actions giving the voice of reality and commitment to words. His letters from prison, written and smuggled out during those last two years, called for a mature, credible Christian faith to be lived out in an increasing, secular, irreligious world. A man after my own heart. Like many, unlike many evangelical Christians in the present administration in Washington, I believe in the separation of church and state, such as no public prayer in public schools. Like the confessing church, we must never, in the spirit of Jesus, be afraid to confront the state when injustice is being done, knowing that religion and power together become demonic, whether Christian, Islam, Judaism, or even Buddhism. The church must never remain silent when people are being hurt and justice violated. I need not list a litany of harmful things happening in the United States right now, and it's frightening. It really is. Years ago in Massachusetts, I performed a wedding assisted by a newly ordained Roman priest who delivered the most dreadful sermon I'd ever heard. It was awful. At the reception, a parishioner, Ruth Bolton, told me she hoped I would meet a woman there who she admired more than anyone she'd ever known and pointed her out. Not 10 minutes later, that woman accosted me and said with an accent, you're either the stupidest priest I've ever met or the most gracious to have stood there with a pleasant smile listening to the drivel of that awful sermon. Oh, thank you, I said, giving her a hug. We had a wonderful conversation. She told me that in her country, the wedding homily was a personal gift of the pastor, full of meaning and love. Afterwards, Ruth said, I see you met my friend. Yes, I said, she's as amazing as advertised. Do you know who she is? No. Maria von Vedermeer. Oh? 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer's fiance. Oh my God. The integrity of that man and the woman he loved came rushing across my heart. What is the church? What does it mean to be a Christian? That is the question right now for you, for me, and for every Christian in the United States. I hope we choose life, not just in years, but the life Jesus taught and lived and for which he died.